The Scroll, Chapter 2, Ink Kohelet read his opening statement aloud and chuckled. If he had received even one small coin for each discussion over his premise that all human endeavors were futile, he would be richer than the king. Often these discussions had turned into arguments, for people were quick to assume he was saying their lives were completely meaningless. Countless times he had explained that his teaching was not about finding meaning, but rather about enjoying the good things life had to offer today, instead of always looking for a future reward from their work. Some got angry, for his words were a direct assault on their deep-seated dreams of one day getting ahead by working just a little harder or smarter. He dipped his pen into the ink. His repetitive use of futile to introduce his talks was always followed by the question every human asked, whether they would admit it or not. He touched the nib to the scroll and carefully scratched out the words he'd voiced a thousand times, both to himself and also to those he sought to teach in the way of the wise. For what do we gain from all the work at which we toil under the sun? The question always generated a quick response. Most pointed to their possessions, a better house, a new cart, a bigger market stall. There was no end to the things people toiled to achieve, and no denying their honest belief that they had gained something substantial in life. But he had observed human labor from every possible vantage point and had discovered that gaining something truly lasting from work was simply not possible. Getting ahead was not part of the equation. The word he used for gain was yithron, a marketplace word everyone was familiar with for Yithron described the cash left over after all the expenses had been paid. It was a foundational business principle, but it was also how people viewed their lives as a whole. They believed that if they made an extra coin each day, their lives were moving forward. The growing pile of coins proved that their hard work could provide something that would last. Life would be better tomorrow, and their future would be secure. The pursuit of Yithron got them up each day to chase the dream, but they could not see that their pursuit was vapor, hevel, just the ongoing pursuit of futility. The shaft of light from the rising sun crept closer to his jar of ink. The new day was already being marked and spent, and it was this relentless passing of time that was the driving force behind all human need to get ahead in life. Everyone needed to believe that what he or she was doing was worthwhile, for each day spent was also one less to live. They were investing their very lives into the pursuit of lasting gain. He flicked another remnant of the previous writer's work from the scroll's surface. Each generation since the beginning of time had tried to make its mark on the world, but to no avail. The endless cycles of nature would always scrape away whatever people thought they might leave behind. The words of an old poem said it best, he dipped the pen into the ink and carefully formed the words. A generation comes and a generation goes, but the earth is not changed. The sun rises, the sun sets, then hurries back to where it rises again. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. The streams all flow to the sea, and yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams came from, there they return again. Kohelet leaned back in his chair. He had memorized those lines in the king's library, but it hadn't been until he was free of the palace walls and had time to walk about in the hills that the ongoing cycles of nature and the permanence of the earth finally hit home. In the city, with all the recent construction projects, it appeared that mankind was winning. The effects of decline and decay were continually covered with new paint, and a veneer of gold covered the more base materials. 
City dwellers found it easier to believe that mankind was making a monumental mark on the world, that they were marching together into a glorious future. But out in the countryside, he had walked over the ruins of ancient cities, now only mounds of weed-covered debris. Nature always won in the end. No matter how hard people worked, all their achievements would eventually return to the earth. Dust to Dust was more than a personal journey of cradle to corpse. It was the story of everything human. The sunlight slipped over the lip of the ink jar, its rays reflecting off the glistening black pool. There was enough ink in the clay jar to fill many scrolls, but there would always be more words to write. People were constantly chattering about new events and ideas. Older people referred to the former days and how much the world had changed, while the young talked eagerly about new ways of doing things, about inventions that would make their lives better and bring prosperity. Everyone talked incessantly, as if by doing so they could prove that humanity was actually moving forward. But the essential nature of human existence under the sun was not changing. The fundamental principles remained constant, no matter how much people talked about new things. Kohelet touched his pen to the ink, scattering the sun's reflections in all directions. Everything goes on in endless cycles, yet our mouths never tire of speaking, our eyes never finish looking, and our ears never get their fill of listening. How we live and work under the sun does not change. Even though people say, things are different now, it was this way long before we were born. We have forgotten what happened before our time, and in the future, the memory of what is taking place now will also vanish. He placed the pen beside the jar and shook out his cramped hand. Sunlight slanted across the scroll, and already the first shiny pen strokes were drying and losing their luster. The door creaked. Kohelet pushed back from the desk. Benjamin had finally arrived with his breakfast, but the scroll could not be rolled away as some of the ink was still wet. Benjamin's deep voice resonated over his shoulder. So you have finally begun. Kohelet eased the scroll back on the desk to make room for Benjamin to set down the bowl. Had to do something with breakfast coming so late every morning. Benjamin ignored the jibe. Be careful, master. Don't smear your work. Your letters are beautifully formed. You have not lost your touch. Kohelet had long since given up on telling Benjamin to quit calling him master. The title was from the days when Benjamin had been assigned to the library as a slave to move the heavy clay tablets arriving daily from the four corners of the world. At that time, he had been Benjamin's supervisor, but down here they were equals. Or maybe not, for by giving in to Benjamin's badgering about the scroll, the tables had turned, and now Benjamin was in charge. A large hand set a steaming bowl on the front edge of the desk. Benjamin was one of the tallest men Kohelet had ever met. Originally from the upper reaches of the Nile, he was an Ethiopian with skin almost as dark as Kohelet's ink. His wide face was pleasant and his smile contagious. He had been brought to Jerusalem as a slave from Egypt to join the king's elite bodyguard, but Benjamin was a gentle giant. When they could not train him for combat, he ended up serving as muscle for the heavy lifting required in the library. Benjamin gingerly picked up the scroll, his hands dwarfing the wooden rollers. His smile broadened further and he angled it toward the window. May I read it? Kohelet nodded. When he had taught Benjamin to read, he had opened a door in Benjamin's life and the young man had charged through it. At times he had gone missing in the archives for hours and Kohelet found him bent over the very scroll he'd been sent to fetch, his face deeply furrowed in concentration. Unfortunately, 
Benjamin's passion for scrolls had not gone unnoticed by Daniel, Kohelet's apprentice librarian. Kohelet's jaw tightened at the recollection. He had been far too trusting of Daniel and failed to see how the man was positioning himself to take over the library. Daniel had used Benjamin's love of scrolls to spring his trap and to force them both to flee the palace under a cloud of accusation and suspicion. Recalling the devious speed of those events still angered him. All the plan had taken was the missing Genesis scroll and a fire in the courtyard, and suddenly both he and Benjamin were on the run. Now Benjamin spoke from behind the scroll, the shadow of his shaved head falling on its translucent skin. This is a great beginning, Master. It captures your teaching well. But you must also tell readers why they should trust you. They need to know that you have read all the wisdom books in the world. Truly, you are as wise as the king, since you have transcribed everything he has read. Then maybe he should write it for me. Benjamin peered over the scroll. Or you should write it for him. Kohelet paused, a spoonful of porridge in midair. What do you mean? Master, we both know of times when an author took on a different personality, a recognized vantage point from which to state his case. That is true, but from the king's viewpoint? That seems a little rash, given our recent history in the palace. Benjamin raised his eyebrows. But you are the only one who can speak about all the work the king has done. His great projects, his incredible wealth, his parties, his many wives. There's nobody who could write from his perspective as well as you. And since it would be well written, the king could only be flattered if the people thought it was him doing the writing. Kohelet finished the last bite of his porridge as he considered Benjamin's words. Wisdom writers sometimes assumed a rule as they presented a proverb or teaching. His advantage was that he understood the world from both the perspectives of people in the palace and the people down here in the marketplace. He knew without a doubt that the question, what do I gain from all my hard work, was a cry from every heart, from every time and place since the beginning of time. Implying a royal position of wealth and power would definitely guarantee a wider audience. It would be a great platform for his teachings. He motioned for Benjamin to bring the scroll back to the table and push the bowl aside. Benjamin spread the scroll before him. A sentence formed in his mind. He hesitated, glancing up to catch Benjamin's hopeful grin. Kohelet swept up his pen and immersed the tip into the ink. <laughs>